we're going to make sure that every vote is counted. Every single vote. Every vote? Every vote didn't count. Glad to hear it. Good luck with that. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, in Eugene on KEPW, and in Cottage Grove on KSO, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, in Palinville, New York, on WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR. In New Orleans, on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. Seattle's KODX. Red Bluff and Redding, California's KFOI. Round Mountain, California's KKRN. In Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast coast and around the globe every day on the Internet, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth. Five days a week, I am Brad Friedman, your friendly, investigative, Blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell, if exhausted, fellow from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us. It was a very long night last night uh, for both Desi Doyen and myself, <laughs> but we are uh, hanging in there. Are you hanging in there? Yes, I believe I still have a, maybe one or two brain cells still available to rub together. Oh, I doubt it. <laughs> um, hey, remember that November 7th I've, uh, thing I've been warning about following the November 6th midterms? I've sort of uh, been warning we could be in trouble on November 7th, no matter what happens on November 6th. Well... It could be underway, what I've been warning about. Donald Trump has now fired Attorney General Jeff Sessions just an hour or two ago, paving the way for what could be the dismissal of Special Counsel Robert Mueller, as I suggested was likely to happen if things did uh, did not go well for Trump on Election Day. Yeah, that didn't take long at all. Well, they didn't go well for Donald Trump on Election Day, uh, and uh, I sort of assumed this was going to happen today. Uh, things could have gone worse for Donald Trump, but now we may be about to see the fallout beginning from the uh, midterm elections, which we'll get to in a moment. Jeff Sessions, chief of staff, Matthew Whitaker reportedly becomes the acting AG as of right now. And whether he has the power to fire Robert Mueller and whether he will do so, that remains to be seen. Again, all of this could happen very quickly, uh, even before we're off air today, for all I know. Buckle up. In, uh, in theory, at least, this uh, guy, what's his name, Whitaker, would now take control of the special counsel probe, which had been overseen by Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, while uh, Sessions had recused himself given his role 
in the 2016 Trump presidential campaign. But before I allow Donald Trump to entirely hijack at least this news cycle here on my show, we will get to all of that, I'm sure, as it moves forward. But for now, after a shameful day for, frankly, many election officials and uh, a great day for American voters who overcame odds to simply cast a vote on Tuesday in many areas. Yes, the final vote in Utah, I believe, in Utah, was cast three hours after the close of polls in Provo. And uh, voters were still waiting to vote on uh, Nevada's 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems a full two and a half hours after polls had closed. Nonetheless, uh, the nation managed to finally apply at least some breaks to our out of control national emergency following the 2016 election of Donald Trump. And the GOP majorities in both houses of Congress. I just want to mention, since I may not get to it, my personal thanks to those of you who suffered through obscenely long lines and other absurd obstacles in order to cast your vote at all on Tuesday or in early voting. It should not be this way. And yes, I will continue to work on it as long as I can. Uh, Moreover, my thanks to those of you who served uh, as poll workers, as poll watchers and um, other volunteers to try and help democracy work as best as it can under the circumstances on Tuesday. I heard from a bunch of you with varying stories that were both inspirational and horrifying. I'll uh, try to share some of those thoughts uh, if time allows, perhaps in the upcoming days. But for the moment, based on what we know today, the nation decisively rejected Donald Trump and GOP politics, at least in the U.S. House, while reportedly giving up several Senate seats to Republicans in a number of still very Trumpy states. Democrats also won back a bunch of governor's mansions on Tuesday. Some big ones, some surprising ones, while uh, reportedly losing a few heartbreakers, though the vote is still out in some of those races. Uh, We'll get to uh, those in a bit as well. There were a bunch of surprises throughout the night. And despite Desi Doyen's grim outlook Mm. on life Mm -hmm. and today, there was a lot of very good news all over the place on Tuesday, at least according to the completely unverified and unofficial election results as of this hour, as reported by computer tabulators in all 50 states, either correctly or incorrectly. So my usual caveat here, these are numbers as reported, but by computers, but verified by no actual human beings at this point. And we'll get uh, as the days move forward into uh, some of the some of the concerns about some of these numbers. We'll talk about some of that today as well. But for the moment, I'm just reporting on what we know. And by the way, the analysis will have time for that as well down the road. We'll do some of that today, but mostly this is just what we know at this hour. Let's fly through as much of it as we can today based on what we know uh, and what we don't know after a very long night on Tuesday and into Wednesday morning. All right, let's start with the less good news and we'll build up from there, Des. So Okey-doke. you can things will get better by the end of the show. Okay. <laughs> 
Democrats were not able to take back a majority in the U.S. Senate and, in, fear, in fact, appear to have lost several seats there. Though we did have a surprise victory called late today, which did not look like it was going to be a Democratic win late last night. And uh, we've also got several seats that are still too close to call. But in the U.S. Senate, where Democrats had to defend 10 seats in states that were won by Donald Trump in 2016, with Republicans only needing to defend one state in a in a state that was won by Hillary Clinton. As of this morning, Democrats received about 12 million more votes nationally in U.S. Senate races, 12 million more votes. So with uh, the Dems winning big in that regard, Republicans picked up so far two seats at least, and they could gain another three still in the uh, in the hours and days ahead. Blame our founding fathers for that one and the imbalance built into the U.S. Constitution when it comes to every state receiving two U.S. senators, whether it's California out here with a population of nearly 40 million or North Dakota or Alaska, which each have a population of about three quarters of a million in any event, Democrats reportedly lost U.S. Senate uh, seats in, let's see, Indiana. Republican Mike Braun reportedly was unseated by, um, I'm sorry, Republican Mike Braun unseated Democrat uh, Democratic Senator Joe Donnelly in Indiana. In Missouri, Republican Attorney General Josh Hawley is said to have unseated Democrat Claire McCaskill in my old home state, which used to be a swing state years ago when I lived there, but it has turned very red ever since I left. So I do blame myself for that. (laughs) North Dakota uh, Democratic uh, Senator Heidi Heidkamp had hoped uh, to hang on to her seat, but unfortunately it looks like Republican Kevin Kramer was able to unseat her in that very Republican state, which went to Donald Trump by some 36 points back in 2016. So this is not a complete surprise, but of course it didn't help that thousands of Native Americans were targeted with voter suppression by a GOP law banning voting by those without IDs that have street addresses on them. Tens of thousands of North Dakotans were uh, likely affected by that. How much uh, that played into Heidi Heidkamp actually losing here? Well, we don't know. That remains to be seen. She was uh, on the rocks anyway. It was always a tough climb. Meanwhile, Republicans managed to hang on in Tennessee, where uh, Marsha Blackburn won the Republican seat being vacated by uh, Senator Bob Corker. In Tennessee, despite hopes for the former popular Democratic governor, Phil Bredesen, Blackburn trounced Bredesen, according to the 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen systems used in much of the state of Tennessee. She trounced him by some 11 points, even as the polling average in that race leading up to Election Day. uh, It was a toss up with uh, Blackburn's polling average at just over five points above Bredesen. So that margin, at least, uh, is a bit of a surprise, if not the win itself. 
Then we go down to Texas, and Desi, here's where I blame you instead of me. <laughs> I should never have left. This one is your fault. Yeah. Uh, Ted Cruz reportedly hung on over Beto O'Rourke, beating uh, beating the congressman by uh, just three points in what many Democrats saw as one of the night's biggest disappointments. Yes, I was very disappointed. You were one of them. Well, weren't I you? knew it was a stretch. I knew it was really unlikely, but yeah. boy, I was there was a part of me that actually dared to hope just for a second there. Well, you know, really, the polling average is there leading up to that uh, race on Tuesday had Cruz up by almost seven points. So that was always going to be a tough climb. Indeed. And uh, the fact that uh, arguably O'Rourke outperformed much of that polling by coming within three points of Ted Cruz. I think that's a big signal that something is changing in Texas. Something is changing. Not quickly enough, at least on the uh, statewide level. There is uh, some better news in the House in a number of places in Texas. We'll get to that in a second. Meanwhile, sticking to the U.S. Senate here. Uh, somehow, Democrats managed to hang on to their uh, Senate seat in Montana. This was a surprise to me, and I was up pretty late last night. Uh, but somehow, Senator John Tester, Democrat from Montana, appears to have pulled it out somehow over Matt Rosendale, the uh, Republican there, by a couple of points. That race looked like Rosendale had it in the bag when I finally called it a night last night, somehow Tester pulled it out today. Good for Tester. Reportedly. Yeah. Good for Tester. Good news for uh, for Democrats in that regard. California, In uh, we have, uh, well, we knew a Democrat was going to win this one, but 85-year-old five-term incumbent Democratic Senator Dianne Feinstein defeated the state's progressive Democratic State Senate President Kevin DeLeon in the uh, top two contest where where no Republicans were uh, on the ballot for the U.S. Senate in California on Tuesday. So there, the more conservative Dianne Feinstein probably uh, won a lot of votes from Republicans on Tuesday. Oh, very likely. More right-leaning choice. So uh, then there were some Democratic pickups in the Senate. In Nevada, Democrats picked up a Senate seat where Republican Dean Heller was ousted by Democrat Jackie Rosen in that swing state. There's some good Senate news for Democrats there. Still out, however, is the state of Arizona. Uh, As of right now, the media have not yet made a call in that contest to fill the seat being vacated by Republican Jeff Flake. Nonetheless, Republican Martha McSally is said to be up by less than one point over Democrat Kirsten Cinema in the otherwise traditionally Republican state, but another state which is moving towards the Democrats. Um, their governor, their Republican governor, however, won in a landslide on Tuesday. So the fact that Cinema is currently reported to be within about one point of McSally. Well, it tells us something. Uh, They're uh, currently separated by just 16,000 votes out of 1.7 million votes cast. So I I know they're dealing with absentees and provisionals, etc. today. I will also note here that the Green candidate, who happens to be named Green, Angela Green, she picked up almost 39,000 votes in this race. That is more than enough 
to have closed the uh, current gap between the two uh, front runners, between the Republican and the Democrat, though, to Green's credit, she did drop out of the race a week or so ago and endorsed cinema in the bargain. But it was too late to have her name removed from the ballots at that time, and many early votes had already been cast and absentee, vote by mail, etc. So just another reason, by the way, that I'm no fan of early or absentee voting if it can be avoided. Because, you know, some of the people who voted for the Green candidate might have uh, thought differently had uh, the, uh, you know, they waited until Election Day to vote. So we're watching uh, Arizona closely to see what may develop there in Mississippi there, there was a special election on uh, Tuesday night between the uh, appointed Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith and uh, a Democratic challenger, Mike Espy, and two other candidates, another Republican and another Democrat. Neither candidate got more than 50 percent. So uh, both of those two will advance to a runoff on November 27. Though in the uh, case of Tuesday's election, uh, the hard right Chris McDaniel got about 17 percent of the vote. And so that will likely go to Republican Hyde Smith, who is the favorite to win the runoff and retain that seat for Republicans. And then there's Florida. There's, oh, a, Florida. <laughs> there's always Florida, isn't there? Um, currently, incumbent Democratic Senator Bill Nelson is said to be. 0.4 percentage points behind the termed-out Florida governor, Rick Scott. That's about 30,000 votes out of nearly 9 million cast in the Sunshine State. To uh, Senator Nelson's credit, he did not rush to concede on Tuesday night, said that he would seek a recount there. He's entitled to one in the Sunshine State, where an automatic recount happens when the margin is less than one-half of 1%. As it is now. So uh, we're now at 0.4. As long as it's less than 0.5, he gets an automatic recount. Now, if the margin is actually less than 0.25%, that's a quarter of a percent, then that recount would be a hand recount. However, if it's more than that, but less than 0.5, then it will be computers that were used to tally the paper ballots in the first place. They will be used once again to tally these uh, ballots again in anything that we will euphemistically call a recount in the state of Florida. So uh, we can most likely look forward to that, although the uh, numbers are so close right now at 0.4. That, too, could change uh, before Saturday when the uh, Nelson campaign, uh, well, when a final decision is made about uh, any such recount, the Nelson campaign is currently scrambling to contact voters whose ballots were not counted due to lack of ID or a matching address, etc. The deadline is noon on Saturday to determine whether there will be a recount. The Democratic election attorney Mark Elias is now representing Nelson and said we expect the supervisors, regardless of their party affiliation, to discharge their constitutional duties in a fair manner. Yay, a Florida recount. <laughs> Just what I was uh, hoping for. Uh, but that's better than uh, what we're seeing or apparently getting in the governor's race there. We'll get to that in a little bit. But let's move over to the U.S. House here, where the news was decidedly, markedly better for Democrats and I would argue for the country as a whole. Uh, first, more than 100 women were elected to the U.S. House for the first time ever. 
on Tuesday. That alone is great news for every American, frankly. Democrats so far have reportedly picked up 27 seats in the U.S. House. That is more than enough to take over the uh, majority there and finally apply some breaks to this runaway administration. Some breaks anyway, which frankly is what I was hoping for as much as anything else in these elections. Democrats will take control of all U.S. House committees. They can begin legitimate investigations of this president and even get access to his tax returns. Finally, oversight will now return to the U.S. House of Representatives. Thankfully, there are at least 17 House races left to be called. So that 27 uh, seat pickup could fairly easily rise above 30 seats or more, uh, given the uh, uh, that uh, Democrats, the opportunity to control the U.S. House of Representatives for the next two years. They picked up a lot of seats in swing districts that had been won by Hillary Clinton in 2016, but that was just the leading edge of the wave, really, on Tuesday. The average district nationwide, according to The New York Times, moved 10 percentage points to the left this year. Even in districts that Republicans won, 169 of the Republican districts, districts that Republicans won, 169 of them moved to the left on Tuesday. Now, beyond partisan consideration, as I said, the story of the day uh, was really women and diverse candidates, often diverse women candidates uh, among the uh, many notable Reported victories on Tuesday, Michigan Democrat Rashida Tlaib in her uh, in the 13th district in Michigan and Minnesota's Elon Omar, Ilhan Omar in the 5th congressional district of Minnesota. They will both become the first Muslim women ever elected to Congress. Omar is also the first Somali-American congresswoman, while Tlaib is the chamber's first Palestinian-American. In Massachusetts, Ayanna Presley became the first black woman to represent Massachusetts in Congress. Wow, wow, really? Massachusetts, the first? Anyway, that's good news. Hey, whenever will, it happens, yeah, we'll take it. we'll take it. Uh, she will occupy the same seat <clears throat> held by folks like Tip O'Neill and, yes, John F. Kennedy. She'll have JFK's seat in Massachusetts. In Connecticut, similarly, Johanna Hayes uh, will join the freshman class as Connecticut's first uh, black female representative in Texas. Texas is sending its first ever Hispanic woman to Congress. Veronica Escobar in the uh, 16th Congressional District won Beto O'Rourke's old seat and State Senator Sylvia Garcia won big in the Houston area. So they'll send two uh, Hispanic women to Congress. In Texas's 7th district, first-time candidate Lizzie Fletcher defeated nine-term GOP incumbent John Culberson near Houston. That was a big pickup in the Lone Star State. See, I told you there was some good news in Texas. I know. It wasn't all bad. In in one odd reported results uh, result that I'm uh, trying to watch here and figure out, on Tuesday night, AP called... The election in Texas's 23rd district for incumbent Republican Will Hurd. Yet the uh, AP then retracted their call in the early hours, 
late hours on uh, in L.A. time here, early Wednesday morning, as Democrat Gina Ortiz-Jones briefly took the lead in that race. And then heard took the lead from her again. So the race is now considered to be too close to call. Heard is leading by 0.3 percentage points. When I last checked, that's 0.3. That is less than 700 votes out of more than 200,000 votes cast. Along the southern Texas border from El Paso down to San Antonio. Ortiz Jones, by the way, is an Iraq War veteran, former intelligence official. Heard is a first-term uh, Texas congressman in a district which has gone back and forth between Democrats and Republicans now over the past decade or more. So we're watching that. Uh, could be a Dem pickup. Maybe not. Maybe it's a Republican hold in Texas. Thirty two. Uh, this is not a woman. But speaking of Texas, African-American Democrat Colin Allred unseated eight term Republican Pete Sessions. Yay. In Dallas. Yes, I am glad to hear that. Well, you don't like you don't like Dallas. Not a big fan <laughs> of Pete Sessions. Oh, I see. OK. Uh, well, he is out. It looks like uh, in Kansas, Sharice Davids. Um, and in New Mexico, Deb Holland, uh, they both won their races to become the first Native American women in Congress. David's racked up another distinction as the first openly LGBTQ person to represent, yes, Kansas. That was hardly the only good news for Kansas, but I'm getting ahead of myself here uh, in um, New York's 14th district. Of course, progressive Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York, as expected, won her seat. She, at uh, 29 years old, earns the spot as the youngest woman ever elected to Congress. That after unseating longtime uh, senior Democratic uh, uh, leadership member Joe Crowley in the uh, 14th Democratic uh, District primaries earlier this year. And in Iowa, uh, though a few months older than Ocasio-Cortez, just a few months older, Abby Finkenauer uh, of Iowa's 1st District, along with uh, fellow candidate Cindy Axney in the 3rd District, they both uh, won the distinction of being the first women that Iowa has ever sent to the U.S. House. Wow. The first women ever for Iowa to yep. send? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And so those were both Democratic pickups, leaving white nationalist Congressman Steve King in Iowa as the only Republican uh, among Iowa's four-person congressional delegation. In Illinois, uh, Democrat Lauren Underwood uns unseated four-term Republican Randy Hultgren uh, in a suburban district west of Chicago. Yes, the infamously Republican DuPage County in Florida. A bit of a surprise. Uh, Democrat Debbie Mercasol uh, Powell defeated incumbent Carlos Curbello Curbe in South Florida. Thank you. Uh, so that was a bit of a surprise. And uh, speaking of surprises, in Oklahoma, deep in the heart of Oklahoma, a Democratic takeover in Oklahoma City. Kendra Horn uh, ousted Steve Russell. Nobody apparently saw that one coming. It's the first Democrat in 40 years since 1975 in the uh, for the U.S. House in Oklahoma. Trump won that district by 13 points. 
So that was a big move. That was a big shift to the uh, to the left in the middle of so-called red Oklahoma. Bad news for uh, women here, perhaps, though it depends how you look at it. Certainly good news for Democrats. After the Republican nominee, Katie Arrington, turfed out Republican Appalachian trail hiker Mark Sanford, Governor Mark Sanford in the GOP primary, uh, Arrington went on to lose on Tuesday night to lose the district to Democrat Joe Cunningham. And then there's a couple of races that are still out before we get to the uh, break here. Well, at least one that is still out. Uh, so, OK, maybe some good news here for Democrats. Uh, I'll I'll believe it when this is finalized. But apparently, Democrat Lucy McBath in the uh, in Georgia's 6th District, her son was killed by gun violence six years ago, which I believe is what led her to uh, to, to decide run. to run for Congress. Yeah. Yes. She appears to be winning. At this hour, in any event, over Republican Karen Handel, former secretary of state of uh, Georgia in the uh, 6th District, that's Atlanta and its suburbs. The race had some very funky numbers uh, at the Georgia secretary of state website last night, but is now currently showing Macbeth, uh, Macbeth ahead of Handel. Barely. Uh, looks like Macbeth has 50.46 percent. Handel at 49.54 percent. Now, there's only two people in that race, so there won't be a runoff. But uh, boy, is that close. Less than 3,000 votes out of more than 300,000 votes cast in the district that uh, Handel won barely last year over Democrat John Ossoff in that uh, much watched, much watched U.S. House election in Georgia. Those numbers could still change, so I'm watching them closely. Um, <clears throat> finally, here in Georgia 7, next door, it was called for Democrat Carolyn Bordeaux uh, by, uh, by the media over the incumbent Republican Rod Woodall, but then it was uncalled. This is Tuesday night after what officials described as a data entry error. Okay. Remember, this is in Georgia, where they use 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems on Election Day. Uh, not clear what the error is exactly, but I know that folks on the ground are looking at this very closely today, uh, including some of the screenshots that I captured last night from the Georgia Secretary of State website on that race and on Handel's race uh, and posted to Twitter uh, last night if you want to give them a look. No time for details right now, but the. Uh, results in, in Georgia 7 went from 0% reporting, even with more than 200,000 votes reportedly cast at that time, I was looking at the results, to suddenly two minutes later jumping to 50% reporting in about two minutes' time, and then to 100% reporting less than an hour or so later. So I'm trying to figure out what all went there Um and if I can learn anything substantive over the coming days, we will cover it, of course, on future broadcasts. And I, uh, like I said, I know that there are people looking into those numbers to see what, if anything, can be uh, can be learned. But right now, the incumbent Republican is said to be in the lead unless something changes there. We'll let you know if it does. All right. A quick break. And we were back with some really big news out of Georgia and elsewhere, and uh, some still outstanding questions in a number of governor's races across the country where there was a bunch of interesting 
Democratic pickups. Much more straight ahead on the broadcast as our national emergency, maybe, we'll see, for now, slows down just a bit. At least I hope. I'm Brad Friedman. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Oh, now go walk out the door. Just turn around. Now you're not welcome Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. I I offered my caveat in the previous segment that these are numbers we're talking about today as reported by computers in all 50 states and verified by absolutely nobody at this point. But I should also offer my caveat that uh, sometimes, that I always offer, sometimes it takes a while for problems to emerge in these results. Uh, with the way that votes are, are counted and not counted, etc. So we are barely getting started on that score, I suspect, today. Uh, the day after the uh, critical, crucial 2018 midterm elections began to put at least some curbs on our national emergency. All right, we've hit the uh, Democratic pickup of control of the U.S. House and the GOP expanding their majority by at least two states, maybe more, we'll see in the U.S. Senate. Let's talk Let's talk some governor's race, shall we, Desi Doyle? Yes, please. Um, this, uh, there was some unqualified great news uh, for Democrats, and again, I would argue for Americans overall, uh, as Democrats managed to pick up seven seats from Republicans and in some very key states, not just for this election, but key states looking out over a decade for reasons I'll explain in a moment. The Daily Beast's Sam Stein observed last night on Twitter that Democrats won governor seats in Michigan and Wisconsin and trounced in Pennsylvania. Three states, all three states that played, as he said, an outsized role in Trump's 2016 triumph. That would be uh, understating it a little bit. Yes, very nice way to put it. Uh, So let's start in Wisconsin, the most notable win, I think, among at least those three states. Uh, was the wildly corrupt Republican governor, Scott Walker, being denied a third term in a very close race as Democratic uh, state school superintendent Tony Evers edged out Walker in the Badger State by... About 1.2 percentage points, just over 30,000 votes out of two and a half million votes cast. Barring any surprise news from, say, Waukesha County (laughs) in the next day or two. Yes, we have seen that happen before, as some of you may remember. It looks like this is a huge win for Democrats in the state that both began the union movement and then began to try to pound several nails into its coffin under uh, Walker's reign and uh, complete control, Republican control of that state. Uh, So this is big. In addition to stripping public union members of collective bargaining rights, you'll remember GOP control of that state also resulted in extreme partisan gerrymandering at both the House and state legislative levels. 
that can now begin to finally roll back. I should add unconstitutional gerrymandering uh, that should have resulted in redrawn maps, but for our stolen U.S. Supreme Court. In any event, that all can now begin to roll back with the veto power of the governor, of the new governor incoming, Tony Evers, after the 2020 census. So this win in Wisconsin was important not only to Wisconsin, but to the U.S. House and therefore the entire country as of the uh, 2022 elections and then for the next decade. Yes, elections have consequences. Very long-term consequences. Yeah, in this case. A lot of these, Wisconsin is is notable, but uh, several uh, Democratic pickups for governor races will have big consequences for, uh, for the redistricting coming up after the 2020 census. Uh, another such state is Michigan. And another important victory in advance of the next round of redistricting, Following the disastrous reign, and that's also a nice way to put it, of Republican Governor Rick Snyder up there in Michigan, Democrat Gretchen Whitmer has defeated Bill Schutte to turn Michigan blue after eight horrible years for that state. So there's some good news again for all of us. And then there's Florida. Oh, Florida. Always Florida. Uh, Here, another uh, big disappointment for many. uh, Very Trumpy Republican Congressman Ron DeSantis reportedly defeated Andrew Gillum. Barely. uh, By just at this hour, 0.6, a sixth of a percentage point, at least as of right now. Now, remember, automatic uh, Florida recount kicks in at 0.5%. Margin. So I'm not sure why Gillum seemed in such a rush to concede on Tuesday night before the race was even called by the media, especially with Amendment 4 winning on the Florida ballot by some 30 points. That will reenfranchise some one and a half million former felons in the state. But if which is huge on its own right. But if that one, if that measure won something like 65 to 35, is it possible that Gillum, who uh, was very popular and uh, very close, a dead heat, essentially, with Rick Scott, is it possible that Gillum could lose the way that he did? Well, maybe, but I, for one, would like to know for sure. And yes, it's a very expensive state to recount, as some of you may remember, and a very difficult state to recount, sadly, but I'm sure with all the money spent um, on this uh, on this governor's race in Florida that Americans would be more than happy to have kicked in as much as was needed to properly count the state by hand, if possible. Still, um, whether Gillum conceded or not on Tuesday night, an automatic machine recount could still kick in if the margin continues to drop in that race as ballots are canvassed. And uh, those who are turned away for lack of ID or other reasons see those problems cured, uh, potentially, as uh, Senator Bill Nelson's campaign is attempting to find such voters uh, in their planned recount for the U.S. Senate against termed out Governor Rick Scott. So uh, I'm sure Gillum is watching this very closely, but that's where that stands right now. Rick Scott could be the next, um, I'm sorry, uh, Ron DeSantis could be the next governor of the great state of Florida. 
In Kansas, some much better news. And I think Thomas Frank is going to have to rewrite his, uh, write a new book. He wrote, uh, What's the Matter with Kansas? What's going better with Kansas now, maybe? Well, yeah, I think he could uh, write, What's the Matter with Florida? What's the (laughs) Matter with Texas? But yeah, good news for Kansas. Laura Kelly, the Democratic candidate, defeated two-term Secretary of State and longtime GOP voter fraud fraudster Chris Kobach, who listeners to Brad the Bradcast and readers of the Brad blog know exactly who this clown is. Kelly defeated Kobach pretty handily to become the next governor of Kansas. She beat him by almost five points. And that was with left-leaning independent candidate Greg Orman in the race, winning 6.5% of the vote. So Kobach just got destroyed, really. This is a huge Democratic pickup, a great win for Kansas, which has been ravaged by the uh, policies of former Republican Governor Sam Brownback. His Reaganomics tax cuts, which failed miserably, devastated the state's infrastructure and education system. Our friend Ari Berman over at Mother Jones uh, was similarly delighted, tweeted out last night, the nation's top vote suppressor just lost. Ernie Canning, the legal advisor uh, over at Bradblog.com, said, I guess it's Chris Kobach's turn to get out of Dodge. Oh, wow. (laughs) Because, of course, Dodge City, Kansas, uh, which had its own uh, vote suppression going on under under Chris Kobach's reign. It was for naught. Sorry, Chris. Looks like you lost anyway. He lost by about five points. No doubt, of course, due to all of that voter fraud that he pretended existed in the state of Kansas. While uh, eight years as secretary of state there, but uh, miraculously being unable to find almost any of it in all of those eight years in office in Kansas. Huh. It's almost as if he was making stuff up. Okay, then there's Georgia, the uh, where the frankly, the mantle for the nation's top vote suppressor suppressor this year, at least, must go to Georgia's Republican secretary of state, Brian Kobach, who was overseeing his own election for governor, just like Kobach over Democrat Stacey Abrams. That race remains uncalled by the media at this hour as Kemp leads Abrams by about two points, but he is just over 50%. He's got 50.3% as of now in a three-person race for governor, which means if that number comes down under 50%, it'll result in a runoff in December. So we will do all of this over again in early December. Last night, actually early uh, Wednesday morning at this point, uh, in a barn burner speech that would have been nice to see from Andrew Gillum in Florida, frankly, Abrams, a longtime voting rights advocate herself, vowed that she would not quit until every vote was counted. Currently, uh, Kemp is just over 10,000 votes above that 50 percent mark. With absentees, including inappropriately rejected absentees uh, and provisionals still being tallied uh, in this race where uh, Brian Kemp has taken extraordinary measures to suppress the African-American vote like I have never seen in my lifetime, frankly. Uh, Anyway, 
uh, here's Abrams uh, on uh, election night vowing to make sure every vote is counted. Democracy only works when we work for it. When we fight for it. When we demand it. And apparently today when we stand in lines for hours to meet it at the ballot box, that's when democracy works. But I'm here tonight to tell you votes remain to be counted. There are voices that are waiting to be heard. Across our state, folks are opening up the dreams of voters in absentee ballots, and we believe our chance for a stronger Georgia is just within reach. But we cannot seize it until all voices are heard. And I promise you tonight, we're going to make sure that every vote is counted. Every single vote. Every vote can count. Because I'll tell you this, in a civilized nation, the machinery of democracy should work for everyone everywhere, not just in certain places and not just on a certain day. Boy, I can't tell you how long I have waited to hear that from a candidate on election night Indeed. in a very close race. Uh, Stacey Abrams vowing to count every vote. Now, uh, Georgia voters, uh, if you her campaign is trying to get out the word, if you voted using a provisional ballot in Georgia or if you had any trouble voting, they're asking you to call immediately to the voter protection hotline. Here's the phone number, 888-730-5816. 888-730-5816. If you uh, voted provisionally in the state of, uh, of Georgia uh, in order to confirm that your vote was properly counted. So that fight's going to continue, I think, at least for a while in Georgia. We will see. Uh, there is also more unquestionably good news for Democrats in governor's races from Tuesday. In Nevada, Democratic County Commissioner Steve Sisolak has triumphed in his bid to become Nevada's next governor. The uh, first Democrat to do so in nearly 20 years. He defeated Adam Laxalt. Uh, who was uh, targeted by his own family. Twelve members of his own family wrote a blistering op-ed begging Nevada voters to not vote for Laxalt. Well, they didn't. Good. And Sisolak uh, reportedly defeated Laxalt by just under five points. In Illinois, Democratic billionaire, I know he's a millionaire, he's a billionaire, I, uh, I think he's a billionaire, J.B. Pritzker, uh, he won for uh, Illinois governor, uh, flipping that state blue by ousting Republican Governor Bruce Rauner. In Colorado, Jared Polis also may be a wealthy uh, billionaire or millionaire. Um, he looks like uh, wins in Colorado. He would become the he will become the first openly gay male governor in New Mexico. Michelle Lujan Grisham, Democrat, defeated uh, Republican Steve Pierce to turn New Mexico blue after the reign of an unpopular Republican governor there. And in Maine, oh, hooray, no longer will Maine have the nation's dumbest governor in history. Republican Governor Paula Page will be replaced by Janet Mills, a woman nonetheless. A Democratic woman at that. You go, girl. She defeated Republican Sean Moody and Independent Terry Hayes. It was uh, three-way races like that which resulted in LePage 
winning twice up there in Maine. But this time it looks like the Democrat won decisively um, with uh, more than 50 percent of the vote, I do believe. Uh, And finally, uh, before we get to a break here, uh, out here in California, no real surprise, but Gavin Newsom will be the next governor of the great state of California here. I didn't talk about the race uh, much, but I just want to note I like Newsom a lot. Uh, for a lot of reasons. I think he's an unsung hero for what he did as mayor in San Francisco when he began allowing same-sex marriages before really anyone in the country saying, I read the Constitution, there's nothing that bars me from doing this. Personally married people on the city hall steps. I thought that was very brave. Uh, and uh, I've, I've, I've met him I've, uh, a couple of times. I think he's a a, a great progressive. We'll see if he ends up serving that way. Yeah, I mean, he seems like a very talented administrator, I have to say, and when it comes to government. So we'll see if that plays out uh, as, as governor of California. Or it's a big state. we'll turn around and start beating him up, as we enjoy doing all the time. Or both. Yeah. All right, uh, some good news there as well for Democrats. All right, quick break. Come back with uh, some ballot measures and some various miscellany that uh, is also good news, I think, for all Americans. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Remember me, the guy who was warning you about Donald Trump from the day he entered the race, when the rest of the U.S. media were telling you his candidacy was a joke, that he'd never win, and that Hillary Clinton had it in the bag. We told you otherwise from the beginning and up until Election Day. Well, we may have been right, but we still don't have corporate or foundational support. We still rely on you to stay on your public airwaves. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to support the work that Desi Doyen and I do every day. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thank you. Uh-huh. You can't count on me like one, two, three. I'll be there. And I know when I need Told you we'd be here. My thanks, by the way, to those of you who uh, helped the broadcast stay on the air, helped us make it through until Election Day, as we asked you at the beginning of this year. Uh, we made it just barely uh, with the help of those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate. We will uh, continue to be here, if we can, with your help. Uh, as the fight continues for every last vote in this country in this uh, critical 2018 election. All right, very quickly, a few minutes we got left. Let me hit some of the ballot measures that were also big news. Oh, welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Oh, yeah. There we go. All right, um, big news. I mentioned uh, in the previous segment, huge news, frankly, for Florida and for the country. Amendment 4 has passed. In the state of Florida, by, like I said, something 65 to 35, restores voting rights for former felons who served their sentence. Uh, Florida was only one of, I think, two, maybe three states left who did this. I think two. Uh, This is going to have a huge impact on elections, or at least it could, in the state of Florida, with some 1.5 million Floridians who were barred from voting now being allowed to vote. That includes One in five African-Americans in Florida 
who just got their voting rights back. Big news, good news in Florida. Uh, Also, uh, mostly good news, I guess, with one amendment uh, that won 61 to 39 in Florida. Voters on Tuesday banned both offshore drilling, that's the good news, and indoor vaping in the state in the same In the same proposition. Yes. Because they bundle them in weird ways. Good news for the environment. Bad news for people trying to give up smoking. Florida. Jesus. All right. Well, you take the bad with the good, I guess. Uh, In North Carolina, some uh, good news. Voters rejected the amendment that would have given lawmakers... A uh, the the dominant role over the governor in filling judicial vacancies, uh, and um, it, this scheme they had to try to change the way the board of elections were uh, were, were uh, made up there, taking away power from the Democratic governor and giving it to the Republican legislature. Also, um, a Democrat won for uh, the the uh, Supreme Court in North Carolina defeating two Republicans who were on the ballot because the Republican vote was split because Republicans tried to get really clever and things blew up in their face. They wanted to force uh, judicial candidates to put um, their party affiliations on the ballot, thinking that a whole bunch of Democrats would get in this race for Supreme Court and would split the vote. But instead, there was only one Democrat got in and two Republicans, which split the vote. So I think now uh, Democrats may have the... Supreme Court majority in the uh, in North Carolina by something like five to two, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, all of this is uh, going to be bad news for um, North Carolina Republicans who hope to continue their outrageous gerrymandering over the next decade. That all looks like it's going to be, uh, well, there is a better chance to stop it now than there was before. That's for sure. That said, um, the bad news, a uh, voter ID amendment has passed in North Carolina. That was expected, despite it being struck down repeatedly as unconstitutional um, under, under state law. So, again, uh, the bad with the good Uh, in Colorado, uh, redistricting reform has passed. Speaking of gerrymandering, uh, that passed big time. So uh, there will be an independent commission there. Also in Michigan, Missouri, Utah, I believe they all adopted new schemes to avoid partisan gerrymandering in those states. That's good news. Uh, Let's see. What else do we have here? Uh, Michigan and Nevada. Oh, both uh, those states adopted automatic voter registration in Missouri and Arkansas. Minimum wage increase was improved, uh, was approved in both of those states. It's going to go up to eleven dollars an hour in Arkansas, twelve dollars an hour in Missouri. Very popular, but not popular enough to uh, apparently to put Claire McCaskill over the top in her Senate race in Missouri. Idaho has expanded Medicaid with 62 percent of the vote after Republicans have been blocking that for years in the state. That will cover some 62,000 people who did not have health care before. Similarly, in Nebraska, that initiative passed And 90,000 people will now gain health coverage as a result, despite the Republican lawmakers who have been trying to block this. 
So uh, good news there for uh, voters as well. Uh, in Michigan, I know we've got just uh, another minute here. Uh, Jocelyn Benson became the Secretary of State of Michigan, a Democrat. Maybe they can clean up some of the mess when it comes to voting in that state. Kim Davis, the Kentucky County clerk who was jailed over refusing to issue marriage licenses. She has been turfed out. She lost. A couple of folks under indictment won. Uh, Republicans, Chris Collins, uh, who was arrested and charged in August with wire fraud, conspiracy and lying to the FBI. Uh, Congressman in New York, he won despite those charges. Duncan Hunter, who was uh, charged with some 60 counts of fraud out here in California. He also won anyway. And of course, the Texas attorney general, the top law enforcement official in the state of Texas, Ken Paxton, Charged with three felony counts of securities fraud, um, he, too, was reelected. So there's that. Dems won control of at least five GOP-held legislative chambers, the uh, New Hampshire House and Senate, the Minnesota House, the New York Senate, Colorado Senate. Um, also, they won seats in the formerly tied Connecticut Senate. They also managed to break the Republican supermajorities in both the state House and state Senate in North Carolina. I meant to mention that. So more good news for North Carolina. Finally, our friend and election integrity champion Gene Kesmarek out in DuPage County, Illinois, the very right wing suburbs of Chicago. We had her on the show just a week or so ago. She won her race to become county clerk out there. She tells me today that uh, she is the first Democratic candidate to win in a countywide race in DuPage in a century and a half or something. Oh, awesome. Uh, but she notes uh, she's not only a Dem, she is a progressive and she will now be the county clerk in DuPage County, Illinois. Good Yay. news for voters, I hope. Good luck, Gene. You're going to need it. That's it. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I hope you will follow me there as things continue to move forward where I am simply the Brad Blog. And that's it. Thanks again to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help us stay on the air and fight this good fight. Couldn't do it without you. All right, we made it. The fight continues. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.